Good morning. My name's Rob. I'm one of the ministers here. And among many other different responsibilities, one of my main roles here is to oversee the delivery of pastoral care at ABC. And as you can imagine, the last two years has been pretty awful for a lot of people. Uh, the, the truth is, despite our best efforts, there's a whole group of people that we could never have met the needs of. We've, we've tried really, really hard, but the reality is everybody at the moment is in some form of need, right? I think we know this, and I just want to say I'm so incredibly grateful for the incredible volunteers of our pastoral care team who have done such an incredible job of trying to reach out to the needs of, of our congregation. The members of our buddy system who delivered medication and groceries and all these kinds of things while we were in lockdowns. Uh, it's, it's been quite humbling to see how many people stepped up to fill the gap. Some people without any pastoral portfolio at all who would just do the Christian thing to phone someone and check on them and see that they were okay or pop around to you know, a neighbor or somebody to just make sure that they were doing okay. Our connect group leaders, another great group of people, so many of them had to adjust on the fly to suddenly leading connect groups over Zoom, but keeping people connected over a period where everybody felt so dispersed, absolutely incredible. Individuals in our church did incredible things during this period, and we are incredibly proud of you uh, uh, as a church family for the way that you've you know, stoically weathered the storm, adjusted to changes that none of you probably would have ever picked, just aware of the fact that during all of this, God has been doing a new thing that would change everything forever. And over the past few weeks, we've been talking a little bit about that. We've been delivering a series of talks entitled The Next Chapter. It's a series that's been focused on the future that we believe God is leading us into. And it's been focused on stories from the past, the way that God has been faithful uh, in the past, and the way that he's kind of brought us through that, and what that means for us kind of going forward. It's been an interesting week for me. I managed to meet up with a few people who started joining our congregation during lockdown. They found us on YouTube, uh, which was really exciting. A whole bunch of people that I met uh, during the week were in this situation, and you know, they became part of our online community, and some of them found comfort in some of the most difficult times of their life by just being able to tune in and connect with us online in their living room where God met them and spoke to them and, and helped them through a really difficult time. You know, once lockdown ended, many of those people started to join us on site as well, and that's been fantastic. And for other people, the continuation of our YouTube stream has enabled them to stay connected to what God is doing in this place and through this church and to be a part of our community. And it is just amazing how the internet has enabled our services to be useful to people far and wide, some in faraway countries uh, that, that we would probably never have been able to preach in ever before. We would never have been able to sing to those people. We would never have been able to share stories of encouragement. And yet God has done something new in this season. And it truly feels like, I don't know if you would agree, it truly feels to me like we are entering into an age where it may actually be possible for the Christian church to deliver hope and support to everyone everywhere. And that's exactly who Jesus came for. Everyone everywhere. See, God's care for humanity isn't limited to particular tribes or people groups. His presence and his impact are not geographically located, like you have to be in a certain place in order to encounter him. God isn't just concerned about the well-being of religious people. And, you know, being blessed by God is not the blessing that's reserved for the rich, for example, or the powerful. God is for everyone, everywhere. And in fact, he's especially keen for us to know that he is for the downtrodden, 
the underprivileged, the hurting, and the helpless, the sufferers all around us. We know this because Jesus demonstrated and declared that God had sent him to minister to those in need. There was a guy called Luke, a doctor who became one of the early followers of Jesus when he saw the things that he did and he heard the teaching and he did a whole bunch of research and he asked people, eyewitnesses into his life and his account and he recorded all of these in the gospel of Luke so that we could have an understanding of who Jesus was, what he did, what he said, what he taught and we could pass that on to future generations. And in chapter 4 of Luke's gospel, we read these words. He says, Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit, and news about him spread throughout the whole countryside. He was teaching in their synagogues, and everyone praised him. He went to Nazareth, where he had been brought up, and on the Sabbath day he went into the synagogue, as was his custom. He stood up and he read, and the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. Unrolling it, he found the place where it is written, The Spirit of the Lord is on me, because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Then he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant and sat down, and the eyes of everyone in the synagogue were focused on him. And he began by saying to them, Today... This scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. You know, in week one of this series, Chris, our senior minister, reminded us that if we claim to know Jesus, we must be living as he lived and walking as he walked. And that's why Luke wrote this account of the life and the ministry of Jesus, so that we would be able to do the same things as him, so that we could see him at work and join him. We could follow in the footsteps of our rabbi. So where did Jesus begin his ministry? In the place where he lived. He returned to Nazareth in Galilee, the region that he called home for so many years. That's where he began. And on the Sabbath day, a day that was set aside by the Jewish people for worship and for prayer and for rest, Jesus went into the synagogue there, probably maybe the same one that he attended for years. We don't know for sure, but we know that this was his custom, this was his habit, and this was where he lived. So it's quite possible he went somewhere that he went regularly. And it's, it's, it's no surprise that when he stood up to read, they handed him a scroll because he was known to them. Jesus was no stranger in Nazareth. People had heard about him far and wide. Everyone in the countryside had heard about this guy, this incredible teacher who had something to say and an incredible way of saying it. So the, intent, the attendant at, at, at the synagogue hands him the scroll of Isaiah. Now I want you to understand, this is a long time before printing presses. This is a very, very valuable document. They were very rare. It probably was the most valuable thing in that synagogue. And, and certainly they wouldn't have given it to somebody they didn't know. In fact, even in modern Jewish culture, you, you might not be a Jew and you would be welcome to come into the synagogue, but you wouldn't be allowed to handle the Torah because that's that's something that's reserved for people that they know, that they know are Jewish. That's something that's very important because it is a sacred document to them. And it's, a, it, it's something that they celebrate. And yet they, they knew Jesus. They trusted Jesus because they'd heard of Jesus. He'd grown up there. They knew who this guy was. So they gave him the scroll to read from. And Luke tells us about his inspirational teaching. The fact that far and wide people had been speaking about the way that Jesus addressed them. Somehow, something in his ministry was relevant and helpful to everybody who listened to him. And Luke puts it down to this. He says that this, 
this relevance, this connection was because the Holy Spirit was empowering them, the Holy Spirit of God. You know, God knows each and every one of us. He knows the struggles that we face. He knows our fears. He knows the regrets that we carry with us day in and day out. He knows the longing in our heart for freedom and for wholeness in our bodies and our minds. And if you're watching us uh, online or you're here with us in the room, you can relate to that. You know that there's desires in your heart for for maybe more than you're experiencing now, whether that's health-wise, emotionally, it generally in terms of your finances, whatever it is, we have needs and God knows them. God knows those needs. And you know, when, when somebody like Jesus or a minister, for example, of a church or somebody comes up to you and speaks into your life in a way that really, really gets to the heart of what's going on with you, or they meet a need at just the right time, you know, that's actually a sign that God knows your need, that God has led that person to you for such a time as this, at just the right moment, because God is actually concerned about our needs. Just stop and take a second to think about that. The God who created the universe is concerned about what concerns you. And that's what we see all the way through the life and the ministry of Jesus, the concern of God for people. And that's what people encountered when they encountered Jesus, a tangible sense of God being with them, God caring for them and meeting them at their point of need. You had crowds of people following him and he fed them and he healed people and he took care of people. He did a whole bunch of stuff before he ever preached at them. He took care of a lot of needs. Jesus himself taught that the Holy Spirit was empowering him to meet these needs. He taught in this synagogue on this Sabbath day, and he said that the Spirit of God was on him and had anointed him, which is a fancy word for being set apart for a holy purpose. He had anointed him and sent him. Yet while the Spirit of God empowered and, and empowered his preaching in that synagogue, that's not all that he was empowered for. He hadn't been sent by God's Spirit just to preach in a church, right? That wasn't his purpose. He wasn't anointed for ministry within the context of a building. And he hadn't been sent by God's spirit just to the religious community. His message in that synagogue that day laid out a manifesto for a ministry that went far beyond the walls of the building. Jesus said he was empowered, he was anointed, and he was sent to proclaim good news to the poor. Freedom for the prisoners and the oppressed and recovery of sight for the blind. All of which indicated that the favor of God was being poured out in this new season upon people everywhere. And that he had come for people who knew they needed saving from something. He puts those who are suffering and deprived right at the center of his mission. And he singles them out as the planned recipients of God's favor. And I don't know, I think that may have sounded a bit strange on that day, sitting in the synagogue, because I'm pretty sure, I mean, I could be wrong, but I'm pretty sure that the incarcerated or the physically unwell were probably not present in that building that day. I'm pretty sure that as he preached this message, there were a whole bunch of people who thought to themselves, well, that's a great message, but you're kind of preaching to the wrong audience here. We're not poor or sick or imprisoned. This feels a bit Irrelevant, doesn't it? And yet he made this radical claim. He says, today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. 
Not only was he identifying himself as the, as the savior that Isaiah had spoken about, the one who would come and preach good news to the poor, the one who would bring liberation to those who were oppressed, but he was saying that in this service, when people were gathered, this scripture was being fulfilled. He was identifying and implying that if he was the savior in the story of Isaiah, then the people who were poor and oppressed were in the room too. And that would have been a bit confusing, I think, for them. If that prophecy was being fulfilled in their hearing, then they were the ones that the prophecy was talking about too. And maybe his words didn't make immediate sense to a lot of them. He was a great preacher, and they were captivated by what he said, but maybe they didn't quite get it. Maybe they didn't quite understand what the mission of Jesus was all about. And I think we can relate to that sometimes, can't we? Sometimes we just don't quite get it. Sometimes we think that a message is either meant for us, the religious community, and it's meant to encourage us or uplift us, or it's meant for someone else somewhere else, in which case it should be preached somewhere else. That somehow we should be talking about ourselves in this building. But that's not how Jesus came to minister. In fact, he turned it up up, upside down, he put it on his head, and he made the center of a synagogue service about the people outside, about their needs, about the people that everybody around here knew existed, but probably couldn't see around them at that point in time, because they weren't there, they weren't able to come, they were imprisoned or poor or incarcerated. So what did he mean when he spoke these words to these people? Well, I think he meant something quite simple, but quite profound. I think he meant that those who claim to love God must love their neighbors, those outside the inner circle, those who are out in the world around them in need, regardless of whether they believe the same things as us or whether they you know, follow the same rules that God has given to his people to follow. Jesus was telling them that compassion is meant to be universally given. Because that's how God gives it. And I think he reminds them in that room in that day that none of us is perfect. None of us is sinless. None of us is immune to sickness and suffering. Sometimes as Christians, we somehow get this weird idea that we're meant to be different from everyone else. That when something goes wrong in our life, then, then it doesn't make any sense. But we're not different from anyone else. We suffer and we struggle, and if we can suffer and struggle a little bit, then maybe we can put ourselves in a place of identifying with those who are suffering a lot right now. And maybe that's exactly why God allows us to suffer sometimes, so that we can understand that when people suffer around us, we are meant to be there for them with some level of empathy and compassion to say, you are not alone. I understand something of your pain, and God cares about your pain. Sometimes we think of our, our suffering as the most terrible curse. But what if by giving us a little bit of suffering, God gives us an empathy for people that's an incredible blessing in our ministry to others. That helps us to look beyond ourselves, beyond our four walls, and think about what's good for somebody else. You know, sometimes when we have a very difficult month financially, we might be reminded about those folks who have a difficult month every month. Sometimes when we feel sick or infirm, and we're so blessed in this country to have an incredible NHS that we can go to, sometimes when we feel at our weakest, maybe we should remember there are people that have no NHS to go to. 
There are people who have no medical care around them. There are people still dying of preventable diseases. And maybe we're meant to know that and think about that and reflect on that all the time because maybe our purpose is to actually make a difference in the world in which we live, the way Jesus did, to go out from these four walls and make a difference out there. You know, that's what God was doing in the person of Jesus. He was suffering and struggling with people, letting us know that God understands and that he cares about our fear and our pain and our hopelessness at times. That God is there in the midst of the suffering. He's not absent. He's present and he feels it. How incredible is it that the God who made the universe would make himself vulnerable enough to feel pain, to feel fear. But that's exactly what we see in the person of Jesus. We see a God who identifies with the poor, a God who identifies with the suffering, a God who identifies with those who are persecuted, those who are imprisoned, those who are beaten and tortured. And if that's the Jesus that we follow, if that's the actual Jesus that we see in the Bible, why do we not look more like him as a church sometimes? Why are we not the ones who care for the oppressed and the poor? We must do better because it is the mission of God in the world to reach those who are hurting and broken. Jesus didn't come for the proud and the self-sufficient. He came for those who accepted that whether they were wealthy in human terms or poor, whether they were strong in human terms or they felt infirm, whether they enjoyed, you know, great freedom or whether they were prisoners of their circumstances, we are all human. To be human is to be flawed. To be flawed is to suffer. It's part of human existence. And we need to know that pain in order to understand and appreciate how fortunate we are in comparison to so many in our world who are suffering so much. We need to learn to love rebellious people because we identify ourselves as rebellious people. We need to learn to love people who are suffering and struggling because we know in some degree in our life that we know what that feels like. Whether you believe the same things as me or act the same way as me, pain is pain. It's a horrible thing and you shouldn't have to go through it alone. Jesus came to bring a new age of salvation, to pour out the favor of God on all people everywhere, not just a particular religious community or sect or group or nation or people, but through Jesus, he brought a message of hope for everyone everywhere. And as a descendant of Abraham, Jesus was fulfilling this incredible promise that all people would be blessed through him. That's a promise that God gave to Abraham, that through one of his descendants, all the nations of the earth, all the people of the earth would be blessed. And that's what Jesus is preaching and doing as he enters the synagogue. You see, Jesus is good news for every person, every person in Andover, not just those who attend our church on site, every person in the UK, Every person who tunes into our live stream from countries far and wide, Jesus is good news for you. Jesus is good news for everyone everywhere. For people who find themselves in situations of loss, wherever that might be, however that manifests. For people who find themselves in physical, emotional, or or spiritual darkness because of the circumstances of our lives. Jesus is the liberator, the one who brings peace in those situations. Jesus is in that situation. He is in your situation. And he wants you to know you are not alone. You are loved. 
And he came to demonstrate just how committed God is to being with us in the midst of suffering and pain. And he came to challenge his people to follow his example, to walk in his footsteps, to care more radically than perhaps we could ever imagine. And if you are a follower of Jesus, his mission is your mission. It's your calling. It's your role as anointed by the Holy Spirit to preach and proclaim and bring good news to the poor. Freedom to captives and the oppressed. Hope and the favor of God to everyone, everywhere. By the way, if that feels like too big a task, it is, right? It's a God-sized task, and that's why he sent his Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God, to dwell with us. Because he does the work, and we just join him in it. Wherever we go, God is in the center of our community. He's already there before us in the situation that we encounter. He's already at work. We just have to join him in what he's doing, and we will see things that we could not believe. We will encounter God in ways that we have never encountered him before. Where? In our services? Maybe, but probably out there in the world where he's caring for people, where he's lifting people out of poverty, where he's doing what only God can do, the miraculous things that God does through his provision and his care and his love for people that might not even know him. Because while we were sinners and distanced from God and didn't know him at all, he sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for us. There is nothing that God would withhold from humanity if he would send his son. Did you ever think that we as a church would be in a situation where we could share our Sunday services with people from 54 different countries? No. I didn't plan it. Chris didn't plan it. We didn't have a meeting to go, how can we reach 54 countries in an hour on Sunday? We didn't do that. It just happened. And it happened because God was doing something. We just happened to join him in it. Did you ever think we'd be able to provide the opportunity for people on any day of the week, in any place that they have access to the internet, to take a next step of faith and to grow in their faith? No. I didn't ever think about that. I didn't think, you know, one day a guy will be sitting on a bus listening to my sermon from four days ago watching me on a little device. I didn't think that. God did it. Why? Because God is doing something new in this generation. He is opening up opportunities in this generation to reach more people in need, to connect with people where they are, just like he did in Jesus. He came to where they are. And we need to do that too. We use all the technology we can get our hands on to be able to reach people. And that's great, but it's no substitute for each and every one of us in the places that we go, actually reaching people with the love of God, with the service of God, meeting them at their point of need. We have to care more radically. We have to care more radically than maybe we have ever cared before because we have been empowered to do more than we have ever had the opportunity to do before. Think about the early church. They gave up property and possessions and sold them for the sake of the poor. That is pretty radical. But they saw God do it, and they followed him. I wonder what God is calling us to in our future. I wonder what radical sacrifices he will call us to make for the sake of those that he loves that are in need. And I wonder if you're excited about that. 
wonder if you're excited about the opportunity of sacrificing some of your comfort, some of your possessions, some of your preferences maybe. Are you excited? Because God is on the move. He's doing something in our generation that should change our mindset and our thinking and move us away maybe from a a service-centered, Sunday-centered ministry to an everyday, everywhere, everyone-centered ministry. Because that's who Jesus was focused on. And I believe God is calling us as a church in the future to follow in his footsteps. To pour out the favor of God on all people that we encounter. We're entering this new era of opportunity and I believe God is calling us to care more radically for more people in more places than we have ever done before. In every era, the Christian church should be a message of hope, a message of of joy, a message of freedom, a message of connection with the poor and the brokenhearted. But we have incredible opportunity to be that kind of church because God is doing something and we just need to join him at work. Two years on from the beginning of lockdowns, people all around us are struggling. I told you at the beginning, we couldn't meet everyone's need. It would be foolish to believe that we ever could. So there are still people in need. There are people who have been in need for years now. We have an opportunity, folks, to show the love of God to everyone, everywhere, to be a beacon of hope in our community and in our nation and in our world. Will we embrace that opportunity? I am calling each and every one of you to action. I'm calling you to be church out there in the world. I'm calling you to meet needs across the globe. I am calling you to care more radically as you look at Jesus and follow in his footsteps. I don't know exactly what that's going to look like, but I do know it will look a lot like something Jesus has already done and shown us because that was the whole of his ministry caring for people more radically than we could ever have imagined. I'd like to pray for you and for our future as a church as we go into it, knowing that God has set us a path and an example that is truly radical in its care for other people. Let's pray that we would honor that particular example. Heavenly Father, thank you for sending your son to us to meet us where we are, to meet our needs, both spiritual needs, emotional needs, physical needs, I I just think of the many, many stories of Jesus doing things that you would think maybe God would be too busy for. Creating wine at a wedding when the wine had run out. Feeding 5,000 people on a mountainside before he could preach to them. I just think sometimes we forget how extraordinarily generous you are, Lord. Father, forgive us for that. Help us to be an overflowing church, that everywhere we go in this world, we would be a symbol of hope to the people around us, that we would bring life and freedom and healing and help us as individuals to be the hands and feet that you send out there and to join you at work, to believe that we will see greater things than we have ever seen and we will accomplish great things in Jesus' name because you are at work amongst those who need you the most. Fill us with your compassion, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.